Hey everybody, Captain Andy Comics is right about to start, but there's a lot of great podcasts on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, including this one. I'm Keith Conrad. And I'm Misty Callahan. On Geek Counter Geek, we'll tackle the tough questions that keep you up at night. Like, who is the better captain? Kirk? Picard or Crunch. Plus, you'll get to chart our progress as I try to write the great American novel. And I try to create a comic book. It's Geek Counter Geek on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. Now, here's your hosts... John and Steven. Thank you, it's Caffeinated Comics. I'm your host, John Clark. With me, as always, is my co-host, Stephen Brown. And Stephen just got back from C2E2. A very brief uh, C2E2 this year. You were only there on just today. today. Yeah, and not even like the full day. <laughs> like... That's what I did last year. I had the boys with me, and they got bored pretty quick. Yeah. And we went to, uh, no, you can go back to listen to that episode, but we went, we saw the David Tennant panel from outside because it was full we saw the animaniacs panel I oh walk, yeah i walked to the floor and then they said it was time to go and it was time to go i missed the teen titans panel that you went to there was marv wolfman oh, and george perez yeah that was actually really really awesome and maybe that's part of why this year was kind of just like because it's like because there was nobody that well i wasn't were... able to go friday or saturday because and it's also it was so early this year it was it's it is well it's really cold they usually do it yeah. like april it's so... it's right after and you know something? Um, actually, I'm surprised they did it this week because I remember this is going back like 10, 12 years ago when they when they started New York Comic Con and it's Reed Pop who does, yeah same group yeah um, they do both when they started New York Comic Con they used to do it this weekend and all the companies complained because Toy Fair had just ended oh so and it's with like too that soon. Yeah, because all the reps had to stay in New York for the whole week and do like two big shows. Yeah, so now it's like exhausting. yeah, so coming right after that, it was um, like Toy Fair. Well, the auto show just wrapped up too at McCormick Place. Yeah, well, McCormick Place always has something, right? But they said they were expecting ten thousand this year. Yeah, it was it crowded. Seemed regularly crowded. I'd say I, I don't think it seemed any more or less than previous years. But I think a lot of it obviously was a not being able to go two out of the three days where I normally would have been there. And then uh, I looked at, like, the programming for the day on, like, the app and didn't really see anything. So it was just kind of, like, aimlessly wandering, which is unusual. Uh, did you go with anybody? Um, yeah, I met up with um, my boss, his girlfriend, her sister, and her sister's kid all go. And then they have friends that go, and they cosplay with their kids. So it's, like, this whole group. And I'm, like, uh, I, I don't mind meeting up with, like, a group of people. I don't like walking around with a group of people because everyone yeah. is just, like, well, what do you want to look at? Well, what do you want to look at? What do you want to look you at? You can't walk with more than three people. Yeah, three would three be my, good. like, limit. And we tell the story every year, but we came up with the idea for this podcast because it was you and I walking around yes. with really big frappuccinos getting more and more excited with each booth we saw. And then I then landed on a John was, Byrne uh, art. Yes, John uh, Byrne original art. Now, artwork. you and I both own the Fantastic Four Artist Edition. Yes. Um, but it was a George Costanza moment where I was like, this is a show. Yeah, this, this is, is a show. show. We just get really wired up, and then we just talk about stuff. And that's what um, we do. Yeah, and uh, as I was talking to Bill Monroe uh, yesterday, who's on the show a lot, and he does the stroke cast. He'll be on next week. Uh, yeah, because we're— Or not next week, the following Probably week. in two weeks. We're going on the Joko Cruise again, um, which I went on two years ago. It's 
a fascinating experience. We may all die from coronavirus. Yeah, this year you'll get coronavirus, so it'll be I, very interesting. I have I've been getting emails from them like every two days, going like, "Well, and now if you came from Korea, you can't get on the boat. Now oh, if you yeah. came, so." Um, part of me is waiting for the email that just goes, yeah, we can't do this because cruise ships in particular are getting hit so hard. Yeah. But then on the other hand, cruise ships are getting hit so hard that if people are willing to get on a cruise ship, they probably don't want to cancel it. Right. Yeah. I don't think they'd cancel it. I mean, they might, but they might not. I think it's just like, yeah, cruise ships are inherently disease ridden. Well, it's kind of like a giant plane. Yeah. It's, it's like it's, it's definitely a lot a of people plane. sharing the same resources for a very extended a period of time. Yeah. And it's like, how clean do they clean those things when they're done? You it's know what I mean? Hotel. Right. Yeah. They turned it over because I believe when we board the boat, like they're coming back and letting people off the boat. Yeah. Because we also got off the boat real early. Right. So I think I think the staff just cleans all the rooms and then your room's ready by like the afternoon. It's a hotel situation. Yeah. Um, it should be fun. I definitely could use a vacation. Yeah. I, I don't have an agenda this time because honestly, a lot of the people that were guests on the boat last time are there again. And I'm like, okay, I'll still see Will Wheaton again. I'll see John Hodgman again. But I'm not like, oh my God. One of the right, because com- you've already done it. Yeah, and one of the comedians on the boat is Mike Kaplan, who uh, Mike Drucker and I used to do shows with all the time. Yeah. So it's like, oh, that's a guy I know. So the, uh, the, the first year it was like, Bria Bamford was there. I hadn't seen Will Wheaton before. Amy Mann was there. It was like, it was really exciting. So this, I'm just hoping, will be relaxing. Yeah. But um, anyway, I was talking to Bill as we're planning the, the cruise and we were talking about our podcast. And uh, and I said, yeah, the the one thing about caffeinated comics that's always that I feel like uh, keeps us from being a really big podcast because people really like this podcast. Uh, Chances are, if it. you're listening to it, you like it. Yeah, unless you're some kind of sycophant, you know, well, just yeah. like listening. But if to you're a sycophant, yourself. you're telling us you like it, <laughs> right? <laughs> I like everything. Yeah. Um, and chances are, this is not the first episode you'll hear. Uh, It'd be an odd one to start with. You're like, yeah, oh, C two E two, like in 2020, right? Um. But, uh, but it's still like it's still not a huge audience, and the biggest podcasts are ones that have a real niche. Yeah, you always talk about like the micro focusing podcast, yes. where it's like we're a Star Trek podcast, and we're going to do every episode of Star Trek. The John Champion and, from Mission yeah, Log, yeah, they bought- do uh, an episode per episode. Yes, and by the way, will be our next guest. I recorded that earlier this week. I interviewed him five years ago. He's amazing. This was even better. I'm obsessed with Picard, so I needed to talk to more people that had seen Picard. Yeah. And I'm like, how about the guy that's doing the live podcast about Picard? He would know. Yeah, so that'll that'll be running while I'm away, actually. Um, but I was talking to Bill about Knit, his niche podcast, and he has two. He has two-minute talk tips, which he says does, does all right. But then he's got the stroke cast where he interviews people that have had strokes because he right. had a stroke. And that's doing great. Oh, because yeah, it's micro-focused. Micro-focused. Yeah. Lauren Fates, who's a good friend of ours, uh, had a geek podcast the that was fine. She-Ra? The she The she one exploded because nobody was doing she Right. And then in the middle of it, Netflix announced they were going to make more she was more podcast, and there were a lot more hits. Yeah, there was a big but, banner uh, for Shira at the convention. I was kind of, I, I was never in a like he man. I missed the boat on it. I, I think. think you were a little too young. Yeah, I was, so, like, I was a all little too old. You were a little too young. Yeah, we just were like, uh, it's a gap. Yeah, it's, programming. It's, it's a high millennial. Yeah, market. Uh, yeah, but but uh, 
I was telling Bill, I'm like, yeah, the only the biggest problem with Captain America comics is it doesn't have much of a niche. He's like, really? Two white guys talking about comics? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's, yeah. And the other thing is probably how many podcasts are just that, you know? We're not the only two dudes doing oh, this. Exactly. Uh, and with all the accolades we've gotten. Um, and we we still love doing it. We're not going to stop doing it. And I think we're getting better at it. Hopefully. But yeah, yeah it's hard to have that micro niche yeah uh, but and and the other problem with it is every time you and i have talked about getting micro we get down to a granular oh, level where we separate yeah i think that's a, what it comes down to is like broadly i think we both agree on our interests and then i think when you dive deeper into those interests we diverge quickly and yeah wildly, i feel like i feel know? like when you break down marvel on us you go avengers and i go spider-man and there is there's a wide gulf between those two. Yeah. That gulf is the Fantastic Four. And we like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there's not a, there are Fantastic Four podcasts out there. Yeah. So, um, but C2E2, nothing nothing No, nothing, nothing crazy. Huge. I, uh, I, like I said, I didn't, uh, I wouldn't say I'm a good uh, spokesperson for how this year went because I wasn't there that long. Right. Um, I will say is like every year, I always kind of forget and then it reminds me when you're there, it's like, oh, there's always like one cosplay that's like the cosplay of the year. Not like a specific person, but everyone's doing. Oh, but everybody's Deadpool, doing one character, right? Yeah. And this year, I could not believe the amount of Mandalorians there were. Not uh, not just like as the Mandalorian from the show, but, but different, different characters. Mandalorian characters. It was like like my the one guy at work does it, a buddy of mine, and he's got a really cool one. He's been doing it for I think two or three years now. Um, he's obsessed with Star Wars. He's like one of those guys. And um, he was there. I actually didn't see him this year. But um, usually you, I see him and then like, that's it. Nobody else is dressed as one. And now it was like every like fifth cosplayer was a Mandalorian. It was crazy. And everyone's like selling the gun and everyone had Baby Yoda stuff with them. Well, that's the amazing thing. I mean, uh, I think we talked about this last week. Bob Iger. Um, well, Bob Iger just stepped down yeah. as CEO of Disney, but one of the last things he said was, "Yeah, Star Wars, we're just going to focus on Disney Plus for a while." I think that shows got all these, how well it did. It, yeah, I'm sure it was driving. I mean, they got 11 million subscribers on launch day, and Mandalorian drove that. Right. I mean, it was the that was the only thing they had. Yeah, and, <laughs> it's and still I, the only thing they have. I think in terms of eyeballs, and I don't know how you measure profit of a stream, something that's on your streaming service versus something that's at the box office. But it seems like in terms of eyeballs, Mandalorian beat Rise of Skywalker hands down. In terms of just like views. Yeah. 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 Did you I see much it. Rise of Skywalker cosplay? Uh, Yeah. I, I mean, it's hard to say because it's like people are dressing up as Rey and Kylo Ren. And it's like, you know, but they, they, kinda they were in like three that, yeah. movies, you know. So it's hard to say. I, mean, I would say definitely more and Mandalorians. And they basically change a white outfit and a black outfit right. very slightly. I would say, though, there were, uh, the, there were more Mandalorians than like stormtroopers more mandalorians and vaders more mandalorians than like any other type of star wars character it was just like um they really i mean just uh, completely saturated the you know was cosplay it was market. it mostly was it a lot of people as mandalorians because it was like people in that army of mandalorians or no, was it like, i think it was a good mix because it was like we saw multiple like, mandalorians were there people like as imperial gus fring and yeah yeah and, <laughs> well and that's Bill what Burr you get yeah and... yeah like uh i wouldn't say by the way half the half the supporting cast of breaking bad was on the mandalorian 
Yeah, I mean, there's no like overlap between the shows, right? Like, no like creative overlap. No, in I mean, John Favreau's like, running Mandalorian, right? But he um, wasn't anything to do with Breaking Bad. No, I think just everybody likes that show. Yeah, I want to see. You know what? They need Mike on Mandalorian, where he's like, "See you, Mandalorian." Huh? Yeah, <laughs> but make him like a big frog person or something. You know what I mean? Make him like an alien, <laughs> kind of like Forrest Whitaker in Rogue One. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, he could do like um the I have spoken guy. You know? Yeah. Which was Nick Nolte, by the way. Who did the voice, yeah, yeah, because yeah. Nick Nolte doesn't look like that. Yeah, it, no. It no. Was the... Nor does Taika Waititi look like IG-88. No, no, <laughs> but I, I keep forgetting he was in that. He was so good. He was, and and the fact that he came back was great. Yeah, yeah, it was a nice touch. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. What Now, what do you... That's a great question. What do you think was driving this year? So you saw a lot of Mandalorians. Some years I see it's heavy Marvel. Some years it's heavy Batman. I don't think I've ever seen it heavy DC. I've just seen it heavy yeah. Batman. Um, and some years it's heavy Star Wars. I think it's always like there's there's always something that uh, happens every year. And we can probably work our way backwards and kind of think, like, okay, this happened. So this is why this was the big one. So like when Deadpool 2 came out, I think Deadpool was in a lot of people's minds. So there was a lot of Deadpools. Um you know, uh, when Gwenpool came out, Gwenpool was a big deal. Uh, I saw a lot of he. Um, Gwenpool Walk- was a big deal before she even had a book. She was like variant right. She was like a, and- uh, just like a design character. Um, you know, oh, like when Into the Spider Verse came out, there was a lot of Miles Morales, Spider Man, and a lot of Spider Gwens, and a lot of Peter B. Parkers. Yes, guys, yes. guys, a my- lot of Peter because it's like you know, it's easy. I did know? it for Halloween. I was right. like, I was non-committal about the office Halloween party. And I'm like, I got a spider hoodie. I got I a khaki put a hoodie coat, on. Yep. And I'm, I'll wear my Converse. And then um, nobody, nobody noticed. And then my boss, who's, who's who actually got me the job, and we're good friends, just looked over and he went, "Oh, nice." Yeah. <laughs> but so it's an easy. It's costume. easy. And honestly, if you're getting a dad, comfortable. If you're getting a dad bod, you can still be Spider Man. Right. Which is nice. Thank yeah. you, the creators of Into the Spider Verse. <laughs> um, Oh, by the way, Hot Toys announced a uh, Spider Verse Miles Morales. Oh yeah, you, I saw that. You, I think you posted, I posted it on it our Facebook on Instagram page. or something. Yeah, it's... Um, I mean, every one of those things look incredible. I don't understand. You know what? They should just make Miles uniform in the comics. That with the hoodie and the shorts. Yeah, I kind of don't know why they haven't, or maybe they are because I'm not really paying attention to that book. But yeah, I haven't paid attention. Um, I've not paid attention to it since it's left the Ultimate Universe. Uh, but I did see uh, the other thing I would have said is like another runner-up is the Walking Phoenix Joker. Obviously, is mm. a big one. So there's a lot of like Joker yeah. in the red suit, you know, and then yeah, variations I think that will that. give it another year. I think that will overtake the Heath Ledger Jokers. Oh yeah, because I you know the Heath Ledger Jokers are always kind of popular. There's always like one or two guys doing it. And I think that's kind of phased out now because we've had the Jared Leto Joker and now a I don't think anybody was doing this. No, no, not that anyone was doing it, but I think it's kind of like it's phased out because we've had multiple Jokers since then now that we're, you know, it's kind of like uh, you'll it'll never be gone completely. It's like every once in a while you see a guy just as a Cesar Romero Joker. You'll kind of see yeah. a Heath Ledger Joker, you know, right? Yeah, there's forever, people that would just love every now and then you see a Michael Keaton Batman. Right. Exactly. Um, now. Since I, the the ongoing thread of the podcast is um, lately has been once Mandalorian ended. I'm obsessed with Picard, which I know you haven't started. It's that in Marvel Legends, yeah. But um, I've been noticing online that Picard is really Picard is now occupying the space that the Mandalorian was occupying. I'm seeing dozens and dozens of YouTube videos. Everyone's reviewing it, which I did oh, not wow. see with Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, um, people. It's captured the geek zeitgeist. 
Did you see more Star Trek than other years? Um, no. I really? and I would say is like uh, occasionally you'll see Star Trek. I don't know that I saw any Star Trek this year. Um, Interesting. So I uh, Star Trek is like I think it's something where it's kind of like an easy cosplay because again it's like just get the you shirt, get the and black pants, and at C two E two I bought a uh, set of next generation pajamas. Yeah, and it's it's a full uniform. Yeah, it works. Oh, and I'm bringing it on that boat because there's people that cosplay for seven days. Oh yeah, I guess I didn't think about that. There would be cosplay on the boat. It sucks because you have to bring all that extra crap there's to a, a boat pe- and then store it in a tiny little oh, room. The, the, there's a lot of people that bring like a separate suitcase for like their steampunk. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I got to take more pictures this year. I should post them. Maybe this will be the start of our Instagram account that we keep threatening to that start. That we keep threatening, yeah. Yeah, someday. Yeah. <laughs> it would just be a bunch of, it'd be, honestly, it would be every week, it'd be just a picture of whatever your action figure setup is that week. Yeah, but That's I all mean, I do. I mean, my personal Instagram, I don't do that much with, not in my book. Um, I do way more with the Facebook page. Yeah. I, I, I feel like it just. I'm a Gen Xer, so I'm just a little old. I'm like, I understand the Facebook. Right. I, don't, I, I don't like it, yeah. but I understand it, and I get Twitter. Um, but Twitter's all like, yeah, can I write jokes and can I read jokes from like, hey, Paul F. Tompkins has a joke. I right. want to read that. Um, so I try to stay away from the toxicity. Instagram, I'm just not that visual with Instagram. Yeah, and I think I'm more visual, but I despise self-promotion, you know? So, yeah, you got to get over that because yeah. there's only two of us doing this. Right. Thing. Yeah, it's like you're doing all the heavy lifting. I know, and I'm not good at it either. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've had conversations with Beer Babe Jess because her Instagram following is like 7,000. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, you need to have a caffeinated account. Right. You need to do it. I'm like, she's not wrong. But, but who's going to do it? Right. That means it's going to be me. Yeah. I'll try. Yeah. I'm really good at reposting news on the Facebook page. Yeah. But that's easy to do because it's like, uh, the thing about news, right? That's easy, especially on Facebook. Is if you're already on Facebook, you're looking for interesting things, and you just click share, and then you just share. It, yeah, you know. But you don't do that. I did it once. Did you see? <laughs> no, no. This I did it like a week I, or two ago. A week or two ago? I think so. I posted I don't something. That. I I'll have to look say it up. Like- Three years ago. I think I did do it three years ago for some <laughs> I posted too. the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer. <laughs> I do it like once every uh, eight, nine, 12 months. <laughs> and yet you Facebook message me constantly. Well, because that's you the only way to get actually, a hold of you. Yeah, but you never actually text me. Text me. If you text me, yeah. I get it right away. Oh, it's do you? the same as message. I always but feel you like, never text me. You always I, Facebook message me. I always me. feel like you're one of those guys that just it's easier to get you on Facebook Messenger than a text. I don't, they both pop up as a notification. Right. I don't care. Well, now I won't use it. All right. <laughs> I thought that's how you talk to everybody. No, no. I, I literally use Facebook Messenger to get a hold of you. The, uh, <laughs> really? You don't talk to anybody else on it? I'm, I'm never on – well, I guess occasionally like one or two other friends. But I will um, say the only thing I like about Facebook Messenger over text is if I'm on my laptop, I can type. Oh, like, right. I don't, I don't have to thumbs. Yeah. So then uh, you and I will have conversations at work because I'll just be like – and then I'll go back to working. Oh, right. Well, it's easy because you got to have another window open, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I always have some social window open. Yeah. I think everybody does. Yeah. Yeah. Lately. That or eBay. I've had a lot of eBay. Oh. I don't spend a lot of time on the old eBay. Anymore. I do a lot of eBay. Yeah, I know you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Lately, yeah. again, because of Picard, I've been going back through the 90s Star Trek figures. Of which there were hundreds. Uh, yeah, I had many of them. Yeah, I, I actually set up the playsets, and Sebastian has loved the playsets. Yeah, I guess I was really confused. We, we've talked about, um, when the subject of the podcast has been toys, we've talked about playsets, and you've always said, oh yeah, the Star Trek playsets are always the best. Is this the first time you've seen it? Well, uh, yes. Because it's, it's in the studio right now. Yeah. They... I, I had the, uh, the transporter when I was a kid. 
Yeah, and I thought that was really I had cool. That still. It was and a, I thought that's what you meant because you were like, that's I, knew one that, I knew that you had it. I didn't know they like connected. Yeah, there were you three. build a little ship. Yeah, I I I hoped they were going to keep making them, but they there is uh, a next generation bridge which Playmates made, and Playmates the Playmates figures are weird because they Playmates is the company that is known for making Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They did great figures. Yeah, and but when they started doing Star Trek, they started making them like Teenage Mutant Ninja Fe- Turtles. So like Patrick Stewart like is like squatting down with oh, giant hands and yeah. a big head, uh, and you can't. And they like they spread their legs when they sit. Yeah, but, they sit like uh, like Indian style. Yes. So everyone sits on the Enterprise like that. Yeah, it's weird. But they did do a bridge that's like a full three sixty set. Where it has the screen, it has the doors, yeah, and you can actually fold the walls down to play with it, but you can completely enclose it. There's no open wall, and there's space for everybody, and you can set them all up. And it was 50 bucks originally in the 90s, uh, and I bought it in college. Nope. You know what? I take it back. My college girlfriend got it for me for Christmas. Oh, that's a good gift. And uh, she's long gone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but this six. stays. Yeah. And then when Star Trek Generations came out, which was the movie where Kirk met Picard, they did an engineering playset, and you can connect them together. Yeah, so, I guess that's what I did. It's like little hallways with doors that slide open and stuff. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah, I I was kind of hoping they do like a sick bay or something else, but it just kind of stopped. They also did these little mini playsets, and I've been looking at those on eBay because yeah. I had around the time I graduated college, I had all of them. They had a, an Enterprise which you could open up the saucer and okay. there was a little bridge inside and the guys were like one inch tall. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and there was like a tent forward so they could go into the bar and sit at the bar. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I forget they had a bar on the ship. Yeah, it, it was a bar bartended by Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. <laughs> I was like... Yeah. Like, I... I thought that weird guy with like the sharp teeth and the big ears and the bald head was the bar. No, he ran the bar on Deep Space Nine. That was a different oh, show. okay. I guess I just On the Enterprise, was it was Whoopi Goldberg. That's dope. <laughs> uh... Who agreed to do uh, season two of? Uh, yeah, Picard. you think that was she was just kind of waiting to see like how it was going, or no? When well, uh, it's a great clip. I put it on the Facebook page when Patrick Stewart came on as to the view as a guest. Yeah, and said uh, I've talked to the producers and would you come on? And um, the th- great thing about Picard and I'll, I'll just get into it in detail at any time because I really love it. Yeah, you really um, love it. It's not a next generation reunion show. So it's like if they have a place in the story to put somebody, oh, they'll they're, ask not, them. they're not shoehorning people in. It's they're like not shoehorning they people. They put in who fits. No, so far they've had data in a dream, mm-hmm. and that's about it. And then they've had two very, very, they've had seven of nine in one, but she totally made sense for the story. Right. And then they had like, there were a couple of characters that I had to look up and went, oh, yeah, that guy was actually on. Did they bring a Q show. in? No. Are they gonna? I don't think this season because it's very serious. Yeah. It's not that Because he's like a goofy. But who knows? I don't know yeah. what... The thing about with season two is I don't know where this season's going. So season two could very much just be Picard doing something else with a bunch of other people. Yeah. Or it could be... Continuing whatever this is. It could end on a cliffhanger. I have yeah. no idea. Um, so it's... It's really fun. But you didn't get to any panels? Did you no, see- I, I did look because I typically try to go to like the Marvel panel. It's like the only thing that most of the panels are out, no offense or anything, but they're always kind of lame. Like the George Prez one last year was incredible. Uh, him and Marv Wolfman talking about Teen Titans and stuff. That was a lot of fun. There weren't a lot of big name creators there that uh, I was 
particularly looking looking for. Um, and then I well, I guess doubling... I missed the Marvel panel because it was Saturday night usually, is, uh, or late afternoon Saturday. And I they guess. announced the big X Men crossover. That was the big news coming out of it. Yeah, which we knew was coming, but it's called Sword of X, and it's going to be fifteen issues, and That's... Jonathan Hickman's running the whole thing. Yeah, from what you've told me about the other X books, I'm like, oh. yeah, it's like I, I I'll. I'll try it, <laughs> but it's like uh, um, the uh, I am enjoying uh, the X Men monthly still, and I there uh, there's also they they started I think it was last week. It might just be like a weekly, like boom, 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 four issues, and it's done. Four weeks. There's a it's it's actually really good. Uh, I don't know who's writing it though, but it's a X Men Fantastic Four crossover. Oh yeah, there was uh... the Dodsons are doing the artwork, Ooh. and it's pretty cool. It's Is basically it? they they hinted at this a bit in the uh, one of the X Men books, the main X Men books. I don't know if it was the miniseries before Hickman launched the new X Men Monthly, or if it started in the new monthly. But it's essentially is like the X Men. Just spoilers, but like not too deep into the weeds. The X Men have an island, Krakoa, and all right. they want all the mutants to live on the island. They're building truly the first, and they created niche. like teleports to bring people immediately right, to the so, island, so they can get everyone here. And they were doing something in Manhattan. I can't remember what exactly. And the Fantastic Four showed up, and Cyclops said to Reed and Sue, "He's like, we expect your son to come to the island because." Franklin Richards is a mutant yeah. and he's an alpha mutant or whatever they call it. He's like one of the most powerful mutants in the world. And they said, you know, your place is with your people essentially. And then they just kind of left the plot thread out there. And then they went on to do other stuff. This mini series, X-Men Fantastic Four, that's four issues or so is them resolving that plot thread as they go to Yancey oh, street where the Fantastic Four are, and they're like, we're yeah, here they to live bring... on Yancey street. Now that was, a... I think it's cool. That's a dance lot idea. Yeah. A dance, I... dance lots run is getting better. It's and better. getting better. It's like a, it's been a slow build. I'm really digging it. Well, both X-Men and Fantastic Four, I'm enjoying, but I'm behind, and I don't care that I'm behind. I'm like, I think I'm like three, two or three issues behind on both series, and I'm like, yeah, I'll get to it, and when right. I get to it, I'll enjoy it. Yeah, but I'm not like I think Amazing. You're not chomping at the bits to read. I think it. Amazing Spider-Man is the only thing I'm up to date on. Yeah, because I recently Batman got I up slipped on all off of them. when Tom King. Oh, when, you know what starts King this was. week? Um, everyone who listens on Monday, you should go to your local comic book store and buy this. Um, Adam Strange comes out this. Oh, Tom King's Strange, Tom King's Strange Adventures. Strange Adventures. Yeah, yeah. and is Mitch um, Gerard's drawing that. Well, it's him. He so the book split somehow, and I don't know if it's split uh, like there's two concurrent storylines going on, or there's like a future timeline and a present timeline, or a past and a present, or if there's an Earth storyline and a Rand storyline. Because the other artist working on the book is um, Evan Doc Shanner. You familiar with his art? Yes, I can't. I can't tell you what he's done. Very. But I know I've seen he's got like name. a very classic style. Like a um, Neil Adams kind of, uh, not as like, uh, it's more of like, um, like an artsy Bruce Tim, I'd say. Okay. Um, he did. Um, there was a Shazam miniseries during the Convergence, which was terrible. But he did Convergence two part terrible. Shazam book, which was fantastic. And then, um, I highly, highly, highly recommend him and Jeff Parker did a run on uh Flash, uh, uh Flash Gordon for Dynamite, I think, hmm. or whoever has the rights to Flash Gordon that was incredible. Uh, he's a really good artist. He's kind of like a Darwin Cook-type artist. So it's going to be the two of them are doing the art duties uh, throughout the book, so it'll kind of be like split somehow. Yeah, because Mitch Gerards, uh has been promoting it a lot. 
Yeah. And Tom King on social media. And those those guys are both really good. Mitch Carter is really good on Instagram. Tom King's really good on Twitter. Yeah. I like these uh these kind of projects though because it's the ability to jump on like a character like Superman or Batman, there's not a lot you can do that hasn't been done already. Right. And they're taking books or characters like Vision and uh The Omega Man, right. and Mr. Miracle. Mr. Miracle, just like goofy characters that not a lot of uh there's there's a lot of ground to be trodden with them that you know a lot of folks haven't yet. So Adam Strange is one of those dudes where it's like I've read books with Adam Strange in it. I don't I don't think I've ever read I a book really starring cared. Adam Strange. The only one I can remember reading was the Ran Thanagar War because it was yes. one of the uh, Infinite Crisis. Yeah, and you know why that was so good? Ivan Reese drew that. That was his first yeah. big. Oh, book. Yeah, it was before they gave him Green Lantern. Before they gave him Green Lantern, and now he's on Superman and he's doing the fucking best work of his he's career. Really good. He's killing it. Yeah, he's really. He did Blackest Night. He, I don't think Ivan Reese, and I'm not. This is I'm not trying to be like a wise guy or anything. I just don't know how to speak properly. But like, I don't think he speaks a word of English. He's Brazilian. I a think a lot of these guys don't. And I I think he just somehow they they have a translator, one of the editors or something, the translates the script so he knows what he's drawing or whatever. Well, um, I but I, I I don't. I think it's like I don't think he's like a guy you can go like talk to at a convention unless you speak i think portuguese or whatever yeah i follow mike diodato on instagram and it's all spanish so like yeah. he'll have his art and i i like mike diodato a lot i despise mike diodato. Um, <laughs> i like him he he got lazy and he ran a studio for a while but yeah I, but i feel like now he's older so he's doing his own stuff but all of his captions are just Spanish. There's not a single English word in there. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not following you for your... What you yeah, yeah, say. exactly. That's like, I agree. I follow Ivan Reese on Instagram, and it's just probably the same thing. I don't read it. Whatever yeah. he's writing underneath, I just... Yep, that's a pretty picture of Superman. The one big news I saw about C2E2 was that um, following up on Dan DiDio leaving as publisher of DC Comics is... Uh, they were going to have a panel with the both of them that they the canceled. Both of them who? Didio and Lee. Jim Lee, yeah. Jim Lee, yeah. They canceled that. So this was really sudden. Um, but then Jim Lee had just like a Jim Lee panel because he's Jim Lee. Yeah, he's yeah, he's and, not hurting for attention. Yeah, people just want to ask him about Wolverine and Batman. Right. Um, but he said they are not planning on replacing him. So Jim Lee is now the publisher of DC Comics. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah, I, I, you mentioned it before we started recording it. It, 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 it was like, okay, that seems a little weird. And then I was like, wait a minute, who am I thinking that should be the publisher of DC Comics? And then I was like, what's Jeff Johns doing right now? Jeff Johns is in is working with Warner Brothers. He's mostly doing like movie development. He's mostly working on the movie. So mm. like he's there. He's trying to be Kevin Feige. Yeah. Um, which is kind of what Casada's doing because Casada's not really running the publishing company. Right. He's mostly in LA. I think yeah. he's back and forth. Um, yeah, but if I was going to name somebody, I'd probably name Jeff Johns. But honestly, he might be in a better position he might be where like, he is. It's like he's a further step above now. Well, he also started in film. He was Richard Donner's intern. Right. And got into comics that way because they were like, oh, you work with the director of Superman? All right. You can we'll, write comics. We'll let you write the Justice Society. Yeah. And that might be my favorite book he's ever written. Yeah. But I do, the more I think about it, I mean, Jim Lee has been at DC now for, I mean, I mean, almost 20 years. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's been at 
at any other company as long as he's been at DC. Not even Image, which he founded. Right, And I think that kind of then further goes to why he's probably a good fit for the job. We'll see. Is that he started a comic book company. He started the third biggest comic book company. Which still to this day. To this day, yeah. It's like there's a lot of competition now for Image, but he started it during the height of comics. Right. Well, it was the first comic company to be started on the talent not right. on the content. Yes. Uh, and it's moved away from that because obviously... Yeah, I mean, it just became like every other comic book. Well, it became, yeah, it became a creator-owned. It became like Dark Horse. Right. Um, especially with Walking Dead was really like the next wave of that. Yeah, I think Kirkman and, you know, who's ever, I don't know, calling the shots over at Image has kind of um, m- m- changed a bit of what's going on. Um, as far as how the company was, I think that's actually what I posted on Facebook was Mark Wade, I think got announced as the editor in chief of boom. Yes. Yes. Yeah. A publisher, a publisher, publisher, Publisher. boom. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think he's kind of been working over there for a while in terms of like calling the shots and doing editorial stuff. Been doing a lot of books for them. Boom is like a little more kid oriented and he's got a great sense of humor. Yeah. Um, I think he's a smart fella. Yeah. We love, we love Mark Wade. Mark Mark Wade Wade. has agreed to do the podcast. We have never figured out those dates, Yeah, Um, but we've all, you always have fun when we run into Mark Wade and I love him as a writer. Yeah, I mean, we. I was just talking online with some folks. Uh, they were people were talking about like Fantastic Four and what good runs on there on Fantastic Four, and everyone goes on and on about Hickman because it's probably like the newest best run on FF. And I'm like, I always like uh, Mark Wade. It's like Hickman's was really good. It's like really high concept ideas, but it's like other. I don't even know that John Byrne captured this as that well, but Mark Wade nailed the family unit. Yeah, with the FF and especially books. with Ringo drawing it. Oh yeah, it was like perfect. And I don't know. I mean, Lee and Kirby obviously did because there was a lot of the family shenanigans and stuff that they were writing. But I mean, Mark Wade really. Um, I don't know that I've ever read another book that was that felt as much like a group of like a like uh, like. Uh, a, a, like an actual family, like people that had known each other for years and years and that's years. It's funny, and, years, and he you know? said he didn't really want to do it. Yeah, that's he, crazy. He said Fantastic Four was not one of his favorite books. He didn't love it the way he loved Flash or Captain America right. or Superman, these other books that he's known for writing. And Todd Brevoort offered it to him, and he was going to say no until he told them that he had Michael Wingo as the artist. And they had worked together on Flash. Right, so he just wanted to work with Mike again. He just wanted to work with Mike again, but it's some of the best writing he's ever done. Yeah, I actually... That's what I have signed from him, by the way. I have right. the uh, first hardcover volume. Yeah, I think uh, you got that signed, and I got Kingdom Come signed. Yeah, I first... think Kingdom Come I might like better just because it's Kingdom Come. <laughs> it, it's pretty heavy. <laughs> but I heavy. think Mark yeah. Wade's, uh, as far as his runs on stuff, I mean, yeah, uh, Fantastic his Four His whole is Flash run's pretty great. I mean, if you put it up with long, long runs, you put it up with like Peter David Hulk or Chris Claremont. Oh, sure, yeah. X-Men, it's, it's pretty great. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, but... So I hope, yeah, I hope all the best for him and Jim Lee over at DC. Yeah, it's well, like, I don't mind uh, whether or not Jim Lee's a good fit. Who can say? I, I, I like things getting ch- changed up a bit. I think it's good mm-hmm. for the company. It's like, you know, give him some time to kind of find his footing and then figure out what direction that comic company needs well, to go Well, there was in. a rumor, Bleeding Cool was talking about this, that they were going to reboot again. Ugh. And it was going to be called 5G, but it was all going to become like second generation heroes. And like Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent were going to get old. So basically like it was all going to be Batman Beyond. Yeah. Um, Which doesn't sound good. 
I'm kind of hoping they don't do that. I mean, I did like the 90s when Wally West was Flash and Kyle Rayner was Green Lantern and Nightwing got his own book. And I liked that there was that intermediate level. Yeah, me and Dave uh, uh, Redfield used to talk about that at the time, all the store, because we both started reading comics around the same time, even though we didn't know each other. And he was reading um, Nightwing and Flash and all these stuff. And I was reading Green Lantern. And we we both kind of came up with this second generation of heroes uh, and that was like a theme that ran through the DC comics at the time in a way that didn't really happen at Marvel. There wasn't uh, a generational story to Captain America. There was just right. like, here's the Republican Captain America. He's a jerk. And here's the second Iron Man. But it wasn't like a handing down the mantle like it was with DC because it went back to like the Golden Age. You know, there was a Golden Age Flash and then there was a Silver mm-hmm. Age Flash and then there was the Modern Age Flash. Every generation had their own character and then those characters were getting sidekicks like impulse right and there was something the tim drake robin yeah this idea of like legacy dc kind of lost and it was something that marvel never had marvel never did sidekicks so you know rick jones is the closest sidekick in the marvel universe and he he had he's like they're jimmy olsen (laughs) you know it's like these snapper car yeah he did a thousand (laughs) different things because they couldn't figure out what to do with them and um you know, so DC had this, it was, it was always, it kind of always felt like this, like, leg up on Marvel, and, you know, I was more of a DC guy back then than a, than a Marvel guy, now I've made the switch completely, because DC's just fucking hitting that reset button every couple years, yeah. and I'd like them to get back to that. I don't, I'm not, I don't, I don't ever advocate for, like, just go back to what you guys were doing when I was a kid. That's not what I'm talking about. Just, like, going back to the idea of, like, the original universe, you know, p- post-crisis, and, you know, leave kind of this, like, New 52 crap in the past. And that that's the interesting thing. As much as I like Jeff Johns as a writer and Jeff Johns as a Gen Xer, I was really surprised because the two things he really pushed for was to bring Hal Jordan back and bring Barry Allen back. Right. And with Hal Jordan, I'm like, yeah, I get it. He's a different character than Kyle Rayner. But I'm like, Barry's just a less interesting character than Wally no West. No one— and, he, and Jeff Johns wrote 70 issues of Wally West's book. Right. And it was, it was weird because it, it seemed like Hal Jordan coming back kind of made sense. Uh, I remember being excited about it because to me, Hal Jordan was the cool guy from like the Super Friends. You know, yeah. he had, I really like that costume. Uh, it's my one of my favorite uh, costumes in comics. The Mezco, Gil Kane is a genius. The Mezco Hal Jordan just came out, and I'm like, you're gonna get it. Uh, my fingers hovering on that. Yeah, button. it'll be here in a couple. I weeks. don't have any DC uh, outside that, of Batman. I'm like, oh, yeah. what kind of floodgates is this? Right, gonna be? Yeah, and that's you're always pushing those fucking Marvel legends. This is how it starts. I know. There's a Hal Jordan and a John Stewart. Uh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> Uh, well, what I remember when they brought Hell back, I even I thought that was cool. The the it was the, a good story. It was too. a good yeah. story. My problem with it became what ended up happening was it sidelined my Green Lantern, Kyle Rayner, because it's like he they didn't know what to do with him for ten years. Or it's something, the same then, thing that happened with Damien and Batman. It yeah, sidelined Tim Drake. Right, and like Dick Grayson was Nightwing. We knew where he was, but then Tim Drake was. Like, he was Red Robin for a while. It was like, yeah, let's just use that Alex Ross costume. Right. You know, and then... The Kingdom Come costume, yeah. Yeah, and even in Rebirth, like, uh, New 52, like, you never saw him. Yeah. Um, And then in Rebirth, it was just kind of like, he was Red Robin, but he wore his 90s costume, and it's just like, it's an awkward fit. One, one, because all these characters were the next version of that. 
Right. So when you have another version that they become literally become a middle child. Yeah, and as a middle child, <laughs> I have a lot of problems with that. <laughs> it's one of the things that confuses me like um they uh with Green Lantern in particular the whole thing, right, is that there's many, many Green Lanterns, and there's nothing wrong with that. I like the you know big groups. Of the characters. thing I find wrong with that is there's nine from Earth. <laughs> well, right, but then that's what gets confusing is we had, uh, you had Hal Jordan, which is great. Everyone likes Hal Jordan, and then you had Guy Gardner, which is like mm-hmm. a jerk, but he's good because he's a jerk. You know, you like characters like that. And then John Stewart was cool. I like John Stewart. And then they introduced Kyle Rayner, and that was fine. And then recently they were like. Simon Baz, another Green Lantern, and then Jessica Cruz, another Green Lantern. It's like, how many Green Lanterns from Earth can we sustain? Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it's just like a little. Why is it Earth got a that important? With the green, right. if the Green Lanterns are handling the entire universe, right? It just seems like Sinestro. There's two from Sinestro's homeworld, and yeah. one of them replaced Sinestro because he's a he bad went, guy. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's like it's just like uh, all these other Green Lanterns from Earth are all still active. Good guys. Yeah. It's you know? like, there's not seven kilowogs out there. <laughs> right. There's just the one. You know, even the fish guy the, with the yellow fin, there's a second one of him. Oh, Tomare. Because the, the other chicken, one got murdered. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, it's just. There's, silly. A, there's a chicken one. Well, one yeah. became a yellow lantern. There was a yellow lantern. Right. They got evil versions chicken of him. Fish guy. Yeah. He had an eye patch. Or and something. there was another guy with a fish guy with like a, bo- a yeah, bowl uh, over yeah, his head. Yeah. He had floating uh, water. That was there. what I loved when Mattel went Green Lantern crazy. When uh, Jeff Johns was writing the book, it became the third most popular book. Yeah. Remember, for a while. It surpassed Wonder Woman. Well, that they started making the Trinity Batman, Superman, Green Lantern. Yeah. And then uh, the Ryan Reynolds movie killed that dead. Yeah, it did. But Mattel pushed out all of this Green Lantern product to build up for the movie. And they made these Green Lantern with just a ton of switchable alien heads. Yeah. And I was like, I'll buy them again. Yep. I have like <laughs> have tw- an army of them. I have like 20 Green Lanterns. I have like Wolfman Green Lantern. And- it's a shame because like I, I don't uh, dislike Ryan Reynolds. I think obviously Deadpool showed that he's really good. But uh, what's super frustrating is they had a perfect Green Lantern there for a couple years. Is uh, Nathan Fillion? Yeah, he voiced Green Lantern. He voiced him in the animated movies. In yep, some of the movies. And there's there's one thing. I don't he know, was the right age at that point. He was perfect, yeah. and he really did understand the characterization because I think Green Lantern's a really difficult character to get right. But when you get him right, he's he's the best superhero and nathan fillion had this you're line talking me into that mezco in what yeah i know <laughs> uh not deliberately but i'm i'm fine to do it there's a line he has in the it's justice league i i don't think i don't know if it's the vandal savage movie or whatever they did these animated movies they're okay they're fighting the royal flesh gang and he's they're all like all right get your opponent so all the justice league takes off to like grab one of these gang members and he's chasing like a chick and she's flying away on cards and she's like, you'll never catch me, Lantern. And he's like, that's what all the girls say. And then he makes like a gun and he just goes, bang. Well, yeah. <laughs> and he blasts her right off the thing. And it's like the way he delivered his lines uh, in this. Yeah. He really, really nailed it. And I'm not like a big, um, I don't really particularly care for Nathan Fillion. But he. Oh, he, I like Nathan for, Fillion. For, and he might be too old now, though. He probably could do like the gray temple Hal Jordan, he uh, would have been a perfect Green Lantern. Um, well, he was his, supposed to be Simon Williams. Years. Yeah, that's, I actually would have liked that. Still that still might happen. Yeah, it would have been cool. Uh, but again, yeah, so this was a quiet C2E2 because you haven't said much. I mean, this, yeah, there wasn't. Yeah, I every year, I, pretty much every year I end up going. Last year I went at the last minute. And this year I was offered tickets. And then um, my wife's in Mexico for the week. 
Uh, and then I leave for the cruise. So we have like a long time of being single parents. Yeah. Uh, but so I asked the boys if they wanted to go and, you know, I got the meh. Yeah. So I was like, I'm not going to drag you guys to no, the city not wanted, and yeah. fight through thousands of people if you're not going to care. So yeah. I didn't go at all this year. Yeah. And I don't, uh, it, I, I, I found out part of the frustration this year was because it was so early. I missed it. So like people were like, can we do this thing on this Saturday? And I was like, yeah, cause I got nothing going on. Not knowing C2E2 oh, is this yeah. Saturday. So I missed it. So it's at the end. It's like the last weekend in March next year so i already put it in oh, my so phone moving up good uh moving back yeah yeah moving yeah. up through the year oh yes. sure sure yeah good. so anything um, that gets you out of the winter in chicago is a good idea yes absolutely and i think it's something where i, I do like going to see two you don't mind it i think it's something where it's like this year is just kind of because it's kind of like um you'd want to go i, I would want to go the whole weekend of possible. I like going I, I get to see a lot of people that i haven't seen in a long time since i'm not with the store anymore so it's a it's usually a good weekend. It's very draining because it's there's it's a, it's a lot, and I'm not a big like social person. Yeah, well that that's what we found. It, it can be sensory overload. Absolutely, a sensory I, overload. Yes. I always really appreciated having a booth. Yes, whether it was, it was nice, whether it was your booth or when I um any of the companies that I worked for when Art Asylum used to have a booth and I used to write there when I published horseman uh i used to be able to work that booth yeah um just to have a stuff just to have a place where you could get behind that table and put your bag down yeah and not and just have, have people pressed on you. right have space around you that isn't other people yeah but i so a lot of booths don't even have that because no more and more booths you are want cr- people to come in you don't want to waste the space yeah it used to be everybody had the table in front and then they had the stuff in the back and you asked them the silver age guys still do it like that right yeah the they're old worried guys. about that yeah and they're old guys yeah right yeah yeah but most of these booths now are building little huts right yeah so they're kind of nice through yeah but i think what this year's what basically happened is uh, it's it's like you want to go you want to have a good time you want to see all your friends and everything but and then it's like oh but you can't go friday and you can't go saturday so it's like i didn't really want to cram everything into sunday now, so it's just kind of like yeah, why didn't you go saturday did you have other plans yeah or? well so it was um uh me and my brother uh are like a month to the day apart in uh birthdays and uh and a year too there's a year in between. <laughs> yeah that's, that's, like, uh, like, that's not biologically that's not possible. how things happen uh so we the worst we went ever. out we went out for both our birthdays on saturday out by my parents because i didn't realize it was c2e2 weekend when we lined up the 17 people schedules right. that to coordinate to go out to dinner so um I didn't get a chance. It wasn't really worth going for like 10 minutes on Saturday and then have to go drive all the way out to Bourbon A. Um, so it's kind of like, I was like, just like salty about it. I think I was like, well, I'm not fucking going to go and do anything. at C2E2. Yeah. I'll go, but I won't enjoy myself. <laughs> I always get mad that when I have to pay and it's, it's a oh, yeah, real barrier. I'm, I'm sure you feel that. No, way yeah, too. it is. Well, <laughs> so, I'm the like, first year I went to C2E2, uh, I bought a ticket and it was the first, uh, C2E2. Well, you didn't have the store yet. Yeah. We didn't have the store yet. I flew in for that because I was in the middle of moving here. Yeah. Cause you were coming when we were, I was back and forth. Yeah. yeah. I was back and forth from New York in chicago every week yeah i remember saying when uh i went to the first c2e2 i said this is the last time i'm ever gonna pay to get to this convention and then the next year we had a booth so we had exhibitor badges and then every year since then i just used old badges are you using like 2011 every year Uh, yeah (laughs) and (laughs) the people who run security there do not care (laughs) there's a lot of people coming through yeah there really is i said the same thing in 1995 when i was 
publishing my first comic. I was like, that's it. I've made it. I've made it. <laughs> Never again. No, that's, well, that's what I've learned in the 21st century. There's no such thing as making it. Right, yeah. It just, uh, you made it for... Uh, for that little window. For while you're yeah. doing it. Well, I've heard uh, Mark Wade or somebody has t- uh, talked a lot of extensively about uh, breaking into comics and what it is. And there's two lines I really like. Uh, the first one is, is uh, breaking into comics is like breaking out of prison. Uh, there's a million different ways to do it, but no way is going to work twice. All right, that's nice. And then uh, the second quote I like from him, and maybe this isn't him, but uh, we'll you know, give it to him. Uh, he's a smart guy. Is that... Um, um, uh, the what's harder than breaking into comics is staying in comics is that it's it's very difficult to break into comics but once you're in it's hard to stay relevant if you're yeah. not constantly uh you know selling yourself and networking and it's just like it's just as hard to stay in it as it is to get into it it's just a different type of difficulty yeah my I, uh, which makes sense i you had know? my name on four comics within a year and a half and then that was it yeah like i i broke in in 95 and by '98, I was never in a comic. And when again. did the when did the the comic crash? Like the '95. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like while you, I was graduating college it, and going, like, I'm going to be the next Mark Wade. Yeah, it crashed. You got into the industry at the wrong time. <laughs> yeah, but I got books out, and you self published. Yeah, so you yeah, got that's one way out. to do it. <laughs> Is that book still for sale? Uh, I yeah. So, uh, um, I don't. Mine know. are not. <laughs> well, mine is. I think. Uh, I'm not making any profit off, but I did go into the half price books in countryside and saw two copies of it on the shelf. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. I was in the, uh, graham crackers in Naperville about six years ago and found my book in the 50 cent bin. Yeah. And I felt so conflicted about that. Yeah. It's kind of nice, but then it's also kind of like, <laughs> yeah, it, it was, I never, uh, I never thought that it had made it that far out. Because I, oh, yeah. I was in New York, and the publishing company was in New York. Right. I didn't think about a uh, store in Chicago having it. Um, and it was 20 years later. Right. But they still can't sell it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even for 50 cents. But if it makes you feel any better, Mark Wade's got books in comic book stores for 50 cents, too. Yeah. You know, he's got stuff in the dollar bin. Everybody does. Yeah, yeah, everyone does. Yeah. The greatest thing in the world. This week. Uh, th- this week. Uh, and between this week and last week was kind of like my catch-up week on comics. I'm a little behind on all my stuff. Um, and I just caught up, and I, I, I was like, they, Jason Aaron did an awesome run on Thor, and I've talked a lot about how much I was digging his run on Thor. It's uh, one of, like, a lot like Fantastic Four. There's these, like, big runs on these books where I'm like, this is the fucking run for Thor for this decade. This is it. And his run ended in a kind of, you know, the War of the Realms event was a little, it would have been better had it just been like a Thor event, I think. Um, But then he left Thor and a new creative team started on Thor. And that isn't my greatest thing in the world, but it has been excellent for the two or three issues it's been so far. It's like a Galactus story. And I love when Galactus and Thor fight. But Jason Aaron is continuing writing Jane Foster. They relaunched Jane Foster's Valkyrie. So she is essentially the only Valkyrie left, and she's got like. Uh, so she's not dead anymore. Well, y- right. She somehow uh, at the end of War of the Realms came back, or slightly before War of the Realms uh, started. They brought Jane Foster back, and um, uh, so th- and then she she beat cancer, and they made her the Valkyrie, 
and they gave her like slightly different superpowers. Uh, she's got like an all weapon, which is just essentially like a weapon that transforms in any type of weapon. Um, but I read like two or three issues and it was just like, okay. And then I let it build up like four more issues or something, or maybe three more issues. And what they were doing was interesting, but I was just kind of like, nah, it's what's this really going? And then I sat down and I read the last three issues and I'm fucking hooked. I love it. It's, uh, I can't remember exactly who's doing the art. It's somebody that I've liked from years ago that I haven't seen in a while. And um, it's just like, uh, they're killing it. It's just like, it's a really, he really understands this character. And it's nice when a creator kind of finds a fan, not a fan favorite character necessarily, but maybe one of their favorite characters. And you can just kind of tell when a, when a creator's writing a character that they love, uh, it's like, it's just joyous. Uh, so I'm really, really enjoying um, the, uh, I think it's called Jane Foster Valkyrie. Maybe it's like Valkyrie and her name's just like above it. Um, highly, highly recommend it. It's like, it takes a little uh, minute to get off the ground, but when it's off the ground, you're, you're, she's got like a horse that talks to her. She calls it Mr. Horse. She fought Bullseye, uh, who was trying to kill Heimdall, uh to get like a weapon mephisto's in it the grim reaper was in it dr strange just showed oh, up well the grim reaper alone yeah He's, you know how i feel that, about yeah. the grim reaper i don't know why knucklehead, but you do well, knucklehead <laughs> villains i love them um so it's just it's just really cool uh really really digging it and would uh you know if you're out and about and you see the trade or uh you know get the what do you, itunes comics or whatever you do digital yeah, I've had a one-track mind uh, lately. I've been mostly, uh, I've been just mainlining Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah, it's like, like take as much of it as you can get. Yeah, cause, because I'm so into Picard, I'm like, oh, you know what? I really want to watch Next Generation. I, I, I did this thing, which was, uh, which made me very happy. First of all, I find it's been a, it's been crazy lately. So I, uh, I'm looking forward to having a. A break yeah um you know it's been like you know like 50 60 hour weeks at work and just um a lot of a lot of craziness going on so i find star trek and the next generation to be the most soothing show there is because the it was so successful that they didn't care if you they knew you weren't going to tune out so sometimes the cliffhanger before the commercial is like yeah i'll go get some salad <laughs> just, oh right it just, just goes like, to commercial because they're just like where are you gonna go you're right. a trek they know what they're doing and you know sometimes they just sit around going huh that's a spatial anomaly well what if we put a purple light on it no oh, it didn't work okay um what if we put a blue light on oh the blue light worked yeah <laughs> and, and so so you can just relax right it's a soothing yeah so i put on the oculus go goggles one night. Oh, those are like the 3D. The, so it's like you're in a movie the theater. VR goggles, yeah. yeah. So if you go on Netflix, you can move the screen anywhere you want, and you can zoom it as big as you want. Yeah. So I go watch it on IMAX, under the covers. Yeah, so you're in like and, a little movie theater. No, it's bigger than that. I'm just on the Enterprise. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I'm just on the Enterprise, just watching Picard talk to Riker. So I've been living that life, and I realize the only other show I'm watching right now is Curb Your Enthusiasm, which has come back for its 10th season. Yeah. And it's amazing. Oh, yeah. You were talking about this last week, I think. Uh, did I? Because I, I feel like so. uh, I feel like I haven't talked no, about it. No, no, you can it. talk about okay. it again. <laughs> um, it's I always like Curb, and it's like 
it's been on for 20 years, but it's had 10 seasons because it's it's literally whenever Larry feels like doing it. Yeah. Um, nobody on that show needs the money. Right. Like, nobody He's on it is their main He's certainly not hurting gig. for the money. No, like, Jeff Garland's on the Goldbergs. Like, yeah. Larry wasn't hurting for money when he started, which actually, uh, I was watching the extras on the original DVDs, and that was the reason he had such a good deal at HBO was they knew he could just drop it anytime they wanted to. So they let him do whatever he wants. Yeah. Because if they're like, if he has one argument with them with like, Larry, you can't do that. He's like, eh, I'm not going to do the show then. Right. So they just let him just do let him right. do it. But this season has been so strong. There's, uh, I think tonight as we're recording, this is the fourth episode, but it, it's been so damn funny. The, the first episode started with Larry realized people would leave him alone in LA if he wore a MAGA hat. Oh, <laughs> so he just he, yeah. like he goes into a restaurant wearing a MAGA hat and and nobody wants to deal with him. Uh, Phil Rosenthal's in that the, uh, the guy who created Everybody Loves Raymond. And he's like, why don't you have lunch with me, Larry? And Larry does not want to have lunch with Phil Rosenthal. So he shows up in a MAGA hat and Phil leaves and the restaurant clears out. That's great. Uh, yeah, it's it's just on point as it's always been. It's just as sharp as it's always been. Um it's just really, really, really funny, and it's like the only thing I want to watch besides Picard. I finally caught up on Doctor Who, and I'm like, all right, I'm caught up on Doctor Who. Yeah, it doesn't seem like Doctor Who has really done anything like really good. Like no one, it doesn't seem like the level. Did you of see a... much Doctor Who at C two E two? Um, I saw a a, a Dalek m- mixed with a R two D two. Okay, so that was it. Yeah, but again, I was there for a very small yeah. <laughs> window. Yeah, but you still saw 4,000 people. Yeah, that's true. I But it just seemed like Doctor Who is just kind of like not really... No one seems as excited as it's, they did about it like no, five, six years No, it's not the thing. Ago. I mean, to use Star Trek as an example, it's kind of like when Voyager was on. And people are like, oh, yeah, it's, it's still on. Right, but, but nobody's... It's, it's like the diehards are still watching it, but the casual fans are not Yeah, so I mean, I've been watching this whole season waiting to see if it turns around. And I've read articles where they're like, this is the episode where it gets great. And I watch and I go, okay. Not yet. Yeah, it's like I I realized uh, I liked it. A, I liked it the most three doctors ago. And I'm like... That was 10 years ago. Right. That was a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I saw, uh, maybe you told me about this, or maybe it was somebody else that <laughs> I see. I saw uh, the opening for uh, SNL last night, and, you know, Larry David's back doing oh, Bernie yeah, Sanders doing brief, and he was saying, is like, you know, I was like, uh, the bad thing is, like, if Bernie Sanders is the front runner, if he, God forbid, he wins the nomination. Uh, Larry David was saying he's like I, it's going to be really bad for me because I'll have to I'll be fucking playing him every week <laughs> you know if this guy's if this guy's the president it's and just again like, like right like, you know? like, yeah because who else is who else can do that right yeah no one else can do it yeah but, uh, uh, I know James Adomian does a good Bernie impression but it's not Larry David no I think it's like uh, a lot of people they found out they were related they did like yeah a, he the, did like a genealogy show. which is cool but I, I think a lot of it's like uh He's an extreme type of character. You know, he's a character, so it's easy to do a Bernie Sanders impression, but it's like Larry David does a really good He's kind (laughs) of already doing one. He's kind of already is. And that's the thing. If... If he only does ten episodes of Curb like every two years, oh sure, he's yeah. not going to be one. No, be he's on not going to every to. week. That was, that's what Tina Fey said about Sarah Palin. Eventually, she just got so sick of you it. Get sick of doing. I'm sure she Alec Baldwin's sick win. of doing Trump. You know, but, but it's like Alec Baldwin several times has talked about not wanting to do Trump anymore. Right. Of course, you know, I, I can't listen to Trump anymore. I cannot. Yeah. Listen to a single 
word he says anymore because it just it bothers me. But if you want to tell us what bothers you, there are ways to get in touch with us. As said before, there is no at caffeinated comics yet. Yet, um, Beer Babe Jess will continue to campaign for that. Um, you can follow Beer Babe Jess. Seven thousand people do on Instagram, so there's a plug. Um, but you can follow me at Not in My Book on Instagram and on Twitter. That is the official caffeinated comics social networking feed. You can also go to Facebook.com/slash caffeinated comics, and that's where we post all the news. Um, and we look at your comments and we respond to your comments and I get in conversations with people, um, all the time people. And I've, I've been getting people telling me I'm wrong, well, which good. is, I love that. Yeah. yeah. I love it. <laughs> I, I love it when it's people I don't know telling me I'm wrong. Yeah. That's great. And Cause you know what? Then it's not the voice in my head telling me I'm wrong. Right. <laughs> how do Steven, how do we follow you? How do we follow um, the show? You can follow me on Instagram at the brave butter pecan and you could find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and the radio misfits podcast network. Yes, and uh, I'll be away next week, but we have an episode ready to go, so you will hear from us next week.